0: at the end of a long, dirt road and pulled into Mbangwini Hospital in rural Malawi, 200-bed hospital, and uh, there was uh, one doctor there, uh, one foreigner, Dr. Martha Summers. And uh, over the years, it's been my opportunity to see her and visit her over in uh, Mbanguini in Coma Hospital, Ekwindeni, you know, lots of different places where she's visited. She actually went and uh, moved to the Congo, but had to be evacuated because of the political strife there, went to Madagascar, uh, and now we welcome her. Many of you have had a chance uh, to see her over in Malawi or here, and we're delighted to have her with us this day here. So, uh, Martha, you were raised in the Midwest in a family of 13 children, in a Catholic family of 13 children, and, and here you are, a Presbyterian missionary. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure. But, um, you know, when you're raised in a huge family, you're often, you learn how to, let's say, give and receive love from many people. You also, there's often a, a certain level of chaos. So when you are put in a situation where, you know, maybe there's one or two doctors for 100,000 people, I think you've learned to kind of like organize chaos. You know, like there's an organized chaos. and So I think that was helpful. And then, you know, sometimes you don't get quite as much attention as as you want or feel you should. So I think once I went to school, I got a lot of positive um, reinforcement from being a very good student. So that kind of led me toward being able to get scholarships and go to medical school. and also I loved science, so I got, it, it, that fit in well. Um, and then when I was in high school, there was a trip to go to Mexico. So I was able to go, and I was in, I was in Mexico City, and there was many, um, there were many people who were living on the streets, and there was a day when it was raining. And I, I just felt like, you know, you couldn't do anything to help this situation. And that I really wanted to develop skills that I could contribute to make situations, to make people's lives better. Who were, you know, people who were living on the street or otherwise suffering. So that was when I decided to be a doctor. Actually, That's great.
0: so um, and all these years of service there, you also have had some personal obstacles that you've had to overcome. Can you tell us about those?
1: Yeah, the the toughest this last year has been breast cancer. So I had breast cancer first five years ago and I talked to you after that I was able to visit. and that time I, it was caught quite early so I had a lumpectomy and a um, radiation. And then this last year I was in Malawi but still getting, um, still getting mammograms by going to South Africa and the breast cancer came back. So this last year, it went from a surgery which succeeded, but the wounds did not heal for five months because of the radiation. And anyways, it's been a healing process since last June. So I very much thank all of you for your support and your prayers um, during this time. And I am cancer-free, and I am swimming almost every day to try to get build up strength and I should be able to go back to Malawi to say goodbye and everything um, next month. Um, It was really quite emotional for myself, but for also my friends at a coma when I was diagnosed and coming back for treatment. Because in Malawi, we don't really have cancer treatment yet for breast cancer. So many of my Malawian friends knew of a nurse where the cancer was caught early enough to go to South Africa for treatment and come back. But almost everyone else, everyone that they knew who had breast cancer had died of it. So it's just another thing of why we really try to join with our Malawian friends who are advancing medical care in Malawi.
0: Yes, so you're going back to Malawi next month uh, and then returning here and there's a new chapter that you're starting to tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So. You know, I'm getting, I need more medical care than I did before, and I'm getting closer to retirement, and all of those, I mean, I have 10 more years, but things. So it's really time for me to go from full-time living, working in Malawi, to living in the States and still being involved in the work. So I have this great opportunity at Marshall University, and I will be on their family medicine faculty, and part of my job will be to expand the connections that they already have with Malawi. And it was Marshall that sent me to Malawi initially. Well, first they sent me to Kenya, and they sent me to Malawi. And so to go back to West Virginia, where that's how I started to do international medicine, is is quite a blessing.
0: So um, give us a sense of what it's like to be a doctor in an African hospital. What are the types of illnesses and stuff that you see and then, what's the role of, of education, also in training, in that?
1: So, for the diseases, you know, it's been highly communicable diseases. So, you know, we mean the malaria,s the diarrheas, the um, pneumonias, and the populations that were most vulnerable, especially were our under five children. And then we had the AIDS epidemic, and AIDS is still a huge problem, but now a treatable disease, and we've focused a lot on mothers and children, because like in Malawi, when I arrived, and much of the time, we lost one woman per 100 births, and advances have made it so losing one woman per, let's say, two to 300 births. And for our children under five, a similar thing, that we were losing one child per four, one for five, and that's certainly half of that amount. So I think those were like our areas of, you know, basically, um, communicable diseases, including AIDS, and mothers and children. And then over the more recent years, the chronic diseases have risen. Um, Some of it is the, the populations have gone from living more rurally to living more urban. Some of it's diet, lifestyle, and some of it people are living longer. And so we have a system that has both of those going on. Um, some of the chronic diseases are harder, more complicated, like diabetes, which has taken off. And so at the same time, thankfully in Malawi, um, medical education has advanced amazingly. Um, when I went, was first at M. McGranny, we had no registered nurses. We had, Equandeni had a nursing school, but the nursing school was making nurse ticket techni- you know, was producing nurse technicians that were lower than that. Well, now we have nurses who have bachelors, who have masters, who are teaching within the country, and these same nursing schools have five times the amount of students. And then for medical schools, we didn't have a medical school in the country. And then when we had the first graduating class of 10 students, one of the doctors came here. So Dr. Alfred Perry came, and now there's 50 per year, and so they are using the mission hospitals as the training sites. So the mission hospitals have become the clinical sites for that. So all of our, you know, you'll see for the pictures, there's, um, there's medical students that are getting training at Epigreni Hospital, at Equindini Hospital, at Melange Hospital, and at a Coma. And right now, Coma is one of the two hospitals that does postgraduate training. So, we're, so one my big job went from more clinician to more teaching, and, and teaching medical students to teaching also postgraduate um, Because we're following the WHO um, lead that basically most of your specialists should be generalist and countries that do that have the best outcomes.
0: So the big thing in the news that we all heard about was few weeks ago was the cyclone that hit Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Malawi. Uh, The flooding, uh, I know you've been in contact with folks there. Can you give us an update on that?
1: Yeah, so there was a huge amount of rain. So we already had some floods mainly in the southern region. And then the cyclone hit Mozambique. And the rains that followed that made it terrible flooding. So um, right now there's thousands of people who are displaced and living in tents. And um, one of the, the make great things going on medically is the Society of Medical Doctors of Malawi um, have organized for care for the for the people who are displaced in the tents, as well as to prevent the spread of waterborne diseases like cholera. Um, and it's great to hear that, and to actually get this news from um, like Bridget Malawesi, what I knew as a met as a student worked when she was a new grad in the family medicine department. And that these people who were so young are now the leaders. And they really have organized to help the problems in their own country through their profession and through their network.
0: So the, the Malawian Society of Medical Doctors is the group that we are going to be sending the money uh, to. So if you would like to contribute to that just market disaster relief, we'll be sending a check from the church to the society. These are folks that Martha knows and has worked with uh, that are doing good work down there in the southern part of the country. In June, uh, Scott Kale is taking a group of our young people to uh, Malawi on a mission trip. Michael Barber and I are going to be going along with them to uh, create some videos and some documentaries about the work in Africa. We'll be visiting not only our sister church, Kifida, but some of the mission projects that we have supported over the years. For example, one of them is a school for the blind. Um, And at this school for the blind, about a third of the students are blind because they are albinos. uh, When people are albinos, they often have uh, problems with their eyesight. And um, so can you talk a little bit about the situation in Africa with albinism? Yeah, I'm
1: going to speak mainly of Malawi, because that's where I know the most. So in Malawi, there's about ten thousand people with albinism, and um, you know, for almost all the the population and the families, when someone is born with albinism, they're welcomed in the family like any other child and cared for. Um, but we've had the huge challenge of eyesight as well as um, you know sensitivity to the sun. And so, like when I was at Equindeni, we. Um, for eyesight, we had in the regular primary school, we had a, a a program for all children who were blind that included albinism to be able to mainstream and to be able to um, you know teach and have people live more full lives. So it's always been a challenge, but what's been grown to this last ten years, which um, is this you know this terrible targeting and murdering of people with albinism for like whether it's their bones grounded down or good charms and and it's something that uh, you know they've actually lost 150 people with albinism in the last 10 years. It's a big it's a big issue right now and there's an election coming up and there's four candidates who are people living with albinism who are running for parliament um, and the, um, the the presidential race is like how to tighten this up and how to stop this and how to really focus um, on this. And there was a, thankfully, a, uh, a protest with people with albinism and allies to press the the, um, the government to to increase the protect protection.
0: So you know the text that we read spoke about the least of these, my brothers. It's hard to imagine. You know, if you're an orphan, you're blind, you're an albino. It's hard to imagine anything more at least than those. So thank you so much for, for your work. Uh, we'll be going there and uh, supporting the school in every way that we can. So all these years, Martha, you have lived as a single woman. Um, a lot of missionaries have families that they live in, uh, but you have thrived and enjoyed your life in Africa as a single person. Um, how does that work for you?
1: Lots of people take care of me. Um, so there's a collage up, and you'll see one of the pictures, I'm with a number of other women, um, Malawian and also outside missionaries, and so I'm not alone in, in, in doing that. Um, and then there's another picture of Chimoywe and Linda Mahango, and they are my, um, they're my honorary parents, even though I'm actually older than them. And then there's Reverend John, John Gondway and his family, and he's my personal pastor for, well, you'll see the children, and it's before a child older than that was born. So they pray for me every day, and people actually will send him over to check on me if they think I need some pastoral counseling. And then you become part of a lot of families. There's a child hugging me, uh, Marita, which is Martha in um in in Chitambuca, and so she's one of my, a uh, namesake of mine. And so, and then there's the Chirombos who are my neighbors, and every place I live, let's just say that most of the time I eat dinner, I don't eat at home, and I am fed. So um, lots of people, it's a community that that happens. Um, and also, you know, I'm part of a partnership with Presbyterian Church USA and a receiving Church. So you're seen as a gift of that partnership and a gift that,
0: you know, that should be cared for. So they've been caring for me. That's great. Last question. What do Americans need to know about life in Africa as you've experienced it?
1: Yeah. I think you need to know that Africa is really vast, right? And So there's so
0: much diversity. So,
1: yeah, so my experience would be, let's say, Eastern to Southern. Um and so, yeah, so one, it's really vast. Two, there's so much beauty. Um, three, that you know, most things work most of the time. I mean, we have countries like Malawi that haven't really had violence since 67 independence. And then we have countries like Congo, where you know there's been violence um, for its history. And then also, I think knowing that what role, let's say, um, Strong countries or umpires play in that, in what happens in those places is important. I think probably the best thing is kind of like how your church does, and you go there, you invite people back. And then we are in a country where there's many Africans, so get to know people around you. And there was a beautiful movie that just came on Netflix, um, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And I think, watch it.
0: It's a... uh True story of a boy uh, in Malawi and, and inventing a windmill, and it is—it's on Netflix. It's a great one. Um, come tonight at five o'clock. Uh, you'll be able to ask questions. Martha has some more video that she's going to show. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Thank you. Yeah.